welcome to episode 67 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I build space stations, solve jigsaw puzzles, and pop soap bubbles while avoiding ticking time bombs. How you doing tonight, Trevor? I'm doing good. This is a nice week, getting over a little bit of a sickness, so hopefully my voice can make it through this whole fun-filled episode. I, too, am just starting a sickness, so hopefully our voices will hold out, yes. And so we'll start in the usual spot, which is Apple News, and this week, Apple is being faced with a class action lawsuit against their MacBook Pro keyboards, which they first introduced that butterfly-style keyboard with the 2015 edition, or with the 2015 MacBook, and then 2016 and 2017 it came to the MacBook Pro, and people are alleging... Well, there's been complaints for a long time, but the actual class action lawsuit alleges that a few keys will become unresponsive due to dust or whatever that gets below this all-incorporated keyboard, and then the entire unit is defective and it costs $700 just to replace the keyboard, and so people are rightfully upset. And the more interesting aspect, Apple gets hit with class action lawsuits all the time, but will Apple make a change? Will the 2018 MacBook Pro get a new keyboard is it too late in the cycle already or are we waiting until 2019 how many people are going to jump on a 2018 macbook pro with a keyboard that is very specifically problematic right yeah are you willing to take that risk that they obviously have a problem with this keyboard if 21 over 21,000 people have already signed on to this lawsuit And now you're going to buy a brand new MacBook Pro and possibly run into this issue unless you know that there's going to be some kind of resolution to this if you should run into the problem. I don't know. It's kind of a risk. I know that the keyboard was initially met with kind of people didn't weren't real thrilled with it. They didn't really like the feel of it. And but Apple still pushed forward with it and people kind of seem to be go quiet about it. But now, obviously, if this problem surfaces, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more complaints Uh, as people pile on to this lawsuit. Yeah, now that it's out there, people are going to join in saying, yes, I have that problem too. And what is that critical mass point that's needed for Apple to make a change? Right, right. And so that's probably going to be even more relevant at WWDC because that's when Apple seems to like to update the MacBooks. They might wait until the fall to update it with the phone, but if an update is coming in June this obviously will kind of hang over it. Right, yeah, it's obviously too late unless they were already aware of the issue were already making some kind of change behind the scenes. They obviously can't make a change this quickly into the into the life cycle. Right, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, the touch bar, nothing's really been done with it since Apple introduced it. So touch bar is kind of part of the keyboard you have the keyboards defective the touch bar is unused really by developers so the main kind of price distinguisher of the macbook pro is not there you know the positives or the incentive to upgrade isn't there oh right right yeah i mean they made this big fanfare when that touch bar came out and then it just was like radio silence nothing no one said anything no one did anything with it there was no like killer thing that people did with this touch bar that it kind of just faded into the background and now are you willing to pay a premium for this touch bar the possibly faulty keyboard like you might as well wait 
until they figure things out and really decide a path to go forward with. Yep. And so that's the Apple news. And luckily the App Store has some positives to go with that negative. And one interesting app this week is called Outings, which is just kind of a local travel guide. It can be a travel guide for wherever you do go. And specifically, though, just for your kind of local find things to do around you. Because you can sort, you know, the basic sort is 50 miles within your location, but you can make it 10 miles and you can see local hiking trails, waterfalls, and various types of leisure activities. When you first start the app, there's a whole kind of personalization section where you can choose if you like water activities or winter activities or marine life, you want specifically family events, or do you want more kind of adult nightlife? And so once you select these different topics, it then gives you this whole scrolling list where each location is kind of a card that you can flip through. If you find one interesting, you tap on it, you get more details as well as the specific location and then user-generated photos. And then you can focus on the local aspect of it or you can then expand out. Like say you're going to have a trip to Hawaii or you're going to go to the Grand Canyon or whatever the case may be, you can kind of set your travel list in advance and then you can save everything that is, might be interesting for later, and you can also mark places that you visited so you can kind of have a whole checklist of things that you've done. Yeah, it's nice not only for that planning of someplace you are going to go to see maybe what, I don't know how the content's added to this, but see the kinds of things that are available. You can share it with your family and friends and say, hey, how does this look? Why don't we go do that? Or even if you're just looking locally, like you have a weekend and you want to figure out what to do and you, you've gone to a bunch of places, you want to see if this thing has any ideas for you. And now it, you can do those different categories of the types of things you're looking for. And it'll give you that, that nice little images of it and a little description to kind of help you decide if this might be something. And then obviously you'll probably have to go and research it more outside of this app, but at least it kind of gives you a jumping off point of different things you could do. Yeah, and then you really can find things that you might not even know were in your own neighborhood. Like, I'm in L.A., there's all kinds of stuff to do. And just, you know, I usually focus on super local stuff, but you can find, like, there's this whole mural mile that is about 15 miles away. There's this mosaic house, essentially in downtown L.A., and just things I didn't even know. Like, you'll see the popular things like the Broad Museum or Getty Museum or take a trip to the Rose Bowl or something. But those smaller kind of hidden locations in a big area, this app really easily finds and brings to your attention. Right, yeah. It's, so for me, a lot of the stuff, I'm outside of Boston, but a lot of the stuff that comes up for me is in Boston. I don't go into Boston all that often, so it's nice to have this little list of things. And some of them are obviously things I've heard of and I know people have gone to do, but then there's these other smaller things that maybe, I don't know, I've never heard of them, and it's just another possible thing that I could go check out. Yep, so that's outings. If you kind of just want to find things that, you know, popular locations are usually the main part of other apps, like really big name apps. So it's nice to see something that would source smaller locations that may not be as touristy so you could actually go do them on a weekend. Yep. So again, it's outings, it's free, and it's iPhone only. And then there's the time for some games. And this week, as you 
said from the outset, it's kind of a weird mix where you can do puzzles or blow things up or mess around with soap bubbles. And the first game is Bombarica, which is this kind of essentially sequence-based or order of operations puzzle game where you need to get a bomb out of the house just by using what's included in the house, everyday items. Move the chest of drawers, move the couch to knock the bomb around the room and get it out the front door or down a little escape hatch. Whatever you need to use in the house, you need to get it out quick because the bomb's going to detonate. It's already active, it's rolling around, and so every move that you make is to get that bomb out of the house before it detonates. So if you like any kind of like pathologic order of operation games, like a good snowman is hard to build, or road not taken, or something like that, you'll like this game. Though keep in mind it has the whole time constraint. It's not, you know, patience or methodical approach. You need to figure out what you need to do on the fly and then perform it. Right, it's not going to be like a Rube Goldberg machine kind of setup where you plan everything out and then hit go and watch all the stuff that you set up kind of trigger to hopefully get this bomb out. There's like real-time actions you have to do where you have to time maybe triggering this bookcase to have it pop out just at the right time to hit the bomb so it rolls in another direction. And that's kind of where I had some issues with the game because it didn't seem to respond as quickly as you needed it to sometimes. And the whole thing is kind of set up in this like isometric view where you're kind of looking at it from an angle. So sometimes it can be a little difficult to tell exactly where the bomb if the bomb's going to hit something or exactly how the item is going to affect the bomb when you tap the item to have it move so and then other times like the whole momentum of the bomb just completely stops and it just sits there even though you feel like you hit it with the bookshelf hard enough that it should be continuing to roll so things kind of start to fall apart a little bit as you go through and you have to restart the level Granted, it's a super pretty short game, and uh, you can fly through these levels pretty quickly, but there were some frustration points for me while I was playing, uh, just because I do like these types of games, but just where it didn't behave the way I thought it would, uh, that was kind of frustrating. Yeah, I had the same frustrations, because at the outset, the game looks relatively good. It has kind of that Hitman Go, Lara Croft Go 3D isometric style that you mentioned, and then you get into it and you really want to enjoy it, but it seems like there's just a few hindrances. Like it wasn't fully baked or there just wasn't something like finalized in terms of the physics or the way the items move. But probably the main problem is that you have to experiment with how everything works. So, you know, the bomb, pretty much the first playthrough, you're going to see how the bomb rolls through the level because it's not always clear where it's going to go. Like you'll have levels where you need to use a fan to kind of spin it 360 degrees to then hit over to a wall and then you need to use a different type of fan to blow it to the opposite wall and then use your best timing to push out the bookcase at just the right second and if there's any move along the way that you mess up you pretty much have to restart the whole level there's no like other option like say that split second you needed to hit the bookcase you missed it it doesn't roll and now there's another bookcase and instead of three stars you get two stars your ball just or your bomb kind of just rolls to a dead stop and since these levels require you know some of the later ones are 10 or more sequences in a row with proper timing 
it can be frustrating to just come to a complete dead stop and just you're right near the end and you lose the entire level. Especially because the game also includes these little diamond collect collectibles that you want to get your bomb to roll into. And then that requires even better timing and maybe even off the beaten path projection or progression to it. There's even a level where you have to go downstairs and so the bomb's going to roll, you flip the bed over and then it uses that gap to fall down below. And then the bomb, it doesn't always land straight down for some unknown reason because there's these <laughs> little like arrow pads that push the bomb automatically and sometimes it misses it. And you can kind of course correct it with the bookshelf, but the bookshelf then can push it too far off those pads. So it seems like that level is designed for it to fall straight down on that arrow pad. And when it doesn't, that can also require you to restart just by sheer luck. And that's also kind of with the camera angle, not always making it clear what direction and trajectory the bomb's going to roll. Right, and, and it's not smart enough to know that it's locked into a impossible, like you can't win, so it won't automatically restart for you. You have to realize that you're stuck and then do it yourself. The, the fortunate thing is those little crystals that you can collect, fortunately, once you've collected them in a level, they don't go away. Like, you've collected them, and you don't have to, they don't respawn and you have to redo it. If you hit one, you've collected it, and it's off the board forever, and now you own it. You don't have to redo that part of the level over again. Especially if it's one of these, like you said, where you have to go off the actual like winning path in order to hit those things. That you could end up hitting a bunch of these and then getting stuck. And it would be even more frustrating if you had to do it all over again just to get those things. And had to basically have a perfect run. Which you don't. You only need to have that perfect run when you want to finish the level to then be able to move on to the next level. Right. And then also just a kind of side point. The game is dealing with getting rid of bombs that are about to detonate. And if you do fail and the bomb blows up, it's a little anticlimactic. I don't necessarily want a person to be blood splattered against the wall or incinerated, but it would be nice if a guy's sitting on a couch playing video games and the bomb <laughs> blows up on the couch for him to be impacted in some way, not to just like not not even acknowledge that a bomb just went off in his house. Right, yeah, I thought that was a little weird too. I didn't want him to blow up, but at least make him act surprised or have all the walls of the room fall down or something. Like it was, you just see this kind of a generic explosion on the screen and that's about it. And yeah, nothing reacts to it. Yeah, like bring you home. One of the best parts of the game is that there's a payoff to your failure. And with a bomb-based game, you'd think there would be some payoff for your failure so it doesn't become as frustrating when the ball just rolls to a stop in the middle of the room. Yeah, I mean, to me this almost feels like it was like a tech demo that they decided to release because it's not very long. It feels like it, like they got this all together and like, oh, we should just put this out there and use the money that we get to maybe build some more levels for it. But it just seems like it was kind of crafted. They thought had an idea, but then just decided to put it out anyways, even though it wasn't done. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. So that's Bombarica. It's 99 cents. It's universal. And then there's Tiny Bubbles, which is a soap bubble matching game where it's not just a purely match three. It's kind of more that combined color idea. And so you'll be given essentially a grid of little bubbles and you can fill them in 
with different colors and you need to make a match of four for those bubbles to clear off the screen. But those bubbles, since it's such a fluid kind of soapy bubble idea, they're, they move and they shift as the ones clear around and that will create new matches. And so you kind of try to build them up, combine them so that it all can clear off the board. And then as you go, you realize that the game splits off into different portions. So there's kind of the main challenging match four style. But then there's a puzzle style where you need to clear all the bubbles off the screen. There's other styles where you're going to essentially just cut different bubble pieces to then make one bigger bubble. And then you'll also have more of a color combined thing where blue and yellow makes green or red and blue makes purple, and you need to build that to create different matches. So there's different styles to the core idea of matching. Right, yeah, I loved how they mixed things up, that it wasn't just the same thing over and over again, and you had those different styles to really kind of change up the gameplay. I also like where that little... I forget what kind of creature it was, came in, and he's blowing bubbles for every bubble that you hit. And that way, so you're constantly fighting this thing that's... Because you have to keep the bubbles within like a certain uh, perimeter. And then if they go outside of that perimeter, you lose. So you have to keep on getting bubbles out of the way. But each time you you put a color into a bubble, then all of a sudden a new one's going to get created. And then there's another version of that where the guy's just constantly creating these things. So you have to work super fast and not even take a break. You almost have to just do it as quickly as the colors come out, you have to do it. Otherwise, things are going to get too big too fast. So I love how they kind of just play with things and take what is like probably something we've seen before, but give it this really unique style because of that bubble. Give it a different texture, a different way that it behaves. And then also add these other elements of like cutting the bubbles and making them bigger and then the combining the colors where you have those really like defined puzzles and it's not just a matching game which can get old pretty quickly. So uh, this one actually really surprised me. I didn't know what to expect and I when I first started playing I thought this was going to be oh just another matching game. But as I introduce those new styles and you have the option of jumping around the levels however you want. They kind of keeps on building out this map and then you decide which way you want to go on the map and the, you can tell what the different puzzle types are going to be and then decide and play the ones you want to play. So I, I'm really well done. Yeah, this isn't a game that's going to break any mold. It's not going to redefine a genre, but it's really well executed and well designed so that you can play at your own pace, try different styles, have that variation and incentive to kind of want to keep playing rather than just the same matching style over and over because that like that map that you said it expands in multiple directions and so you always have a couple different paths to go, a couple different levels to try where it's that fish coming in or it's the color changing or the actual grid of bubbles changes shapes so you know it's not just like this circle that condenses as you make matches it starts to turn into a spiral or more of a starfish and so that changes the way that you're going to focus on clearing everything out one kind of drawback is that the game's not the most challenging i never felt like i don't think i lost the level and i never felt like oh god i'm going to lose this level it's kind of simple or straightforward i don't know if you felt the same I, I did too, yeah. Even those those levels where you're racing against the guy who's building everything out, 
I never came close to actually losing. It seems more of kind of like it's a zen setup where it's meant to be kind of just casually played. It's not, yeah, it's not going to be super challenging. I don't know, maybe when I unlock, I've already unlocked, I think, one or two more sections of the levels, but so far none of them have gotten super tough. I'm kind of hoping that maybe eventually it'll build up to something that's a, a bit more difficult, but then again, I do kind of like just like the mindless of it and just being able to like casually do this while I'm waiting for other things where I don't have to put a lot of thought, but it's still entertaining. Yeah, I could see that more of a passive Zen style puzzle approach rather than like a bejeweled blitz or something super active. I'm like 30 levels in, it hasn't gotten that much more challenging, but even if it never does, I respect what they've done with the game, what they're focused on, and just the physics engine of the way every single level kind of changes shape as you go through it based on the matches that you make. Yep. And so that's Tiny Bubbles. It's two ninety nine. It's universal. And if my throat didn't feel the way that it does, you know, there's that Tiny Bubbles song by Don Ho, but <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's Bonza Jigsaw, and hopefully you've played some of the other Bonza games in the past. They've been crossword-based, and if you haven't played them, it essentially combines Jigsaw Puzzle with Crossword Puzzle so that you fill in letters and words with these little shapes of or blocks of letters. Like you'll have an L shape, and there'll be four different letters on it, and you'll put them into place to create words and fill out the whole crossword puzzle so now with bonza jigsaw they've taken out the crossword portion the word portion and it's just these pictures that you're going to create and fill in just like a normal jigsaw puzzle but in that bonza fashion where there's the l and the z shapes of tetris that you're going to find positions for and place them in to fill out all these different pictures and the pictures are all themed up kind of based on locations around the world so you have a little bit of a journey as you go and complete these jigsaw puzzles yeah this isn't the first time we've seen them do the jigsaw style with this because in the bonza national geographic app which came out i think in 2015 they took like the word stuff that they had in the original and then added like these national geographic photos that were in the same jigsaw format Think of it like a jigsaw puzzle where someone's doling out like groupings of pieces to you at a time. So maybe you have five pieces, you got to figure out where they go. And then once you do that, the thing will kind of keep on expanding and then you'll get a few more pieces and you don't necessarily know how many pieces there are going to be total, but you know that each time you get a new set, all those pieces will fit somehow onto what you have so far. And so you just basically keep on working through the puzzle until you get all the pieces and eventually have the square puzzle all completed. And some of these have a lot of pieces. Some of them don't have that many as you start off. But the cool thing is you can decide whether or not you want it easy where you can just put in the pieces normally where everything's facing the right direction and orientation and you just kind of figure out where they need to go and drop them in. Or if you want more of a challenge, you can say, I want the mode where I have to rotate the pieces. So now you might get pieces that are completely facing the wrong direction like they would be in a actual jigsaw puzzle unless you somehow miraculously dump them out on the table and everything's in the right orientation. 
Uh, so you now have to figure out, do I need to rotate this piece to fit it into the picture, or do I? can I use it just how it is? And the nice thing is, when you do get it in the right position, it'll lock in, and then you can just move on to another piece. But I do like how they offer, right from the start, you have those two levels of difficulty if you do want that extra challenge, or if you just want to play it just casually and just kind of unveil whatever the the beautiful photo they happen to have is yeah and really what you mentioned about the few pieces at a time really makes the game stand out because there's no shortage of jigsaw puzzle games on the app store but you know if you get that whole game or the whole puzzle with like 200 pieces or 500 pieces part of it is just getting everything out of the way and you know it's essentially a hidden object game as you try to scroll through the screen to find the pieces that you need to put together this one, it's really designed with mobile in mind to give you a few pieces at a time. It doesn't mean it's necessarily easier. You still have to figure out how they all go together. And there's no kind of picture reference to go on. You're just kind of seeing little any areas that can match up. And then as you go, you might have to flip the pieces or rotate the pieces for the proper alignment. But it's just neat how it all builds up. And you start from the center and just work your way out in whatever fashion the game kind of throws it at you. And then also you get the different shapes. So usually Jigsaw Puzzle, you've seen that classic puzzle piece shape before. And so this game goes and kind of reimagines it so they're all straight lines, straight edges, and again like Tetris shapes to go put together, but it's just more kind of intuitive and friendly to make it appealing for casual players, but it doesn't make it super easy. It's still that classic puzzle idea of putting pieces together and finding how everything aligns. Right, right. Yeah, and I do like that, how it kind of gets the clutter out of the way. Ravensburger, a while back, put out a fantastic jigsaw puzzle app, and they had something where, yeah, you had all those pieces, but you could kind of hit little kind of, I guess you technically call them cheat buttons, where it would just sort things into little bins, or you could manually sort them into bins to kind of keep them out of the way, but still that required a lot of manual manipulation especially on like a small phone of these tiny little pieces once you started breaking the puzzle up into like 200 pieces or even 100 pieces on a phone is tough where i do really like how they're dropping those little sets in this app and you and they're not just like here we're going to give you this corner of the puzzle now you got to build this little corner of the puzzle those pieces that they give you could go anywhere on the puzzle it's granted they do have to attach to something that's already there but it's not going to just give you a corner you're going to have to put some on the top some on the bottom the left the right and you have to figure out where they're going to go it's not immediately obvious where they need to go so it's there's still a little bit of challenge even if you choose not to do the the rotation but you there's still a nice thing there the the one thing is this is a free app and there's like a there's some content that's free there's some content that requires a subscription in order to access it they also have these daily like uh geography quizzes that you can get uh, extra little pieces. I don't fully understand what you use those pieces for, but you can unlock additional packs as well. So you can either buy packs of puzzles or you can subscribe like monthly or yearly in order to unlock all the content within the app. Yeah, and really the subscription model, I respect that it's there, but you can play every day for free. You know, it's not like, oh... There's nothing you can do. So it's $1.99 a month, 
or you can just kind of go and play the free packs. Like the daily puzzle is part of the subscription, but a lot of the world-based travel packs and just a lot of puzzling can be done for free. Right, right. Yeah, if you just want to pop in and do a couple of puzzles a day, you're good. You'll, you'll be able to do it. And you can even go back through the backlog of since this launched and play some stuff that you haven't played yet, uh, if you haven't done them yet. Yep, so that's Bonza Jigsaw. It's free, it's universal. And then Among the Stars is your area of expertise. Yes. So this is uh, another uh, digital board game. So this one is a digital adaptation of a 2015... uh, It's a game where you're building... Each player is trying to build a space station. And you're doing that through drafting of cards and then playing them down, kind of like a tile-placing game. So you're handed like a set of these cards, which are locations. These could be various rooms for your space station or other uh, areas for your space station, whether it be like something that can buff up the, the, the main power unit of your space station, or other aspects. Each of these cards costs a certain amount of money to purchase them, and when you purchase it, you can then play it onto your, place, onto your space station. Or uh, you can choose to not take one of the cards from the the grouping, and then build another power unit. So some of the cards will require the use of power from your space station in order to power that room. So you'll need to keep on kind of monitoring how much power your your space station has as a whole, and occasionally you'll have to buff that up by building additional power, power sources. Or you can uh, trade it in just to get more money. So you take one of the cards and discard it, and you get additional money that you can use on another turn to purchase one a different card. And so each of the cards also have these abilities, and some of those will trigger immediately, some of them trigger at the end of the game. So these things give you victory points, usually that's what the ability does. Some of them will be based on how many of a certain type of location you have, or how, how many... Uh, if you have the most of a certain type of location in your your space station versus the other players. So you'll get these various bonus victory points at the end of the game based on those factors. So you constantly are having to look at these cards and maybe you want to burn a card because you don't want the other players to be able to use it. Or maybe you want to take a certain card because now that will give you the most of the blue cards. And that will give you a certain bonus at the end if you have the most of those. So you're constantly having to try to like weigh what comes to you in the hand of cards versus what's already out in your space station, what you can afford, and maybe what cards will interact with cards that are already in your space station. So then that will allow you to get additional victory points based on how those cards play off of one another. So there's a lot of strategy involved, whether that be immediate rewards or playing towards the end game and trying to maximize points based on the rewards you'll get for whatever you happen to put in your space station. And the whole thing is played over four different rounds. It's four years, technically. And so every time one of those years ends, the it shifts to a different player who gets to start each round, every round of playing of cards in that particular uh, year. And so the cards, you'll keep on alternating whether you're passing the cards clockwise or counterclockwise. So you're not always picking on the person to your right or picking on the person to your left based on what you've drafted. So if you hate draft, you're not always going to be hitting the, the, 
same person throughout the game because it keeps on going back and forth so i never actually played this uh the physical version of this game but i found there's a lot of interesting decisions to be made while you're playing through and especially once you learn the cards and the how they interact with one another you can really kind of develop these strategies but it'll always be changing based on whatever objectives you happen to have for that particular game uh that you're playing that time and how long would you say like an average play session to determine a winner is? I would say I, I, I was playing a three-person game and I also played a four-person game. I would say it took about 30, 30 minutes or 30 to 40 minutes maybe, maybe less, 20. If it was, a, if it was like a three-person game, maybe it was more like 25 but okay. yeah, it's they play pretty quickly. The AI is it seems pretty good. I mean, it, there there were times where there's one of these cards where you get to choose to give yourself two victory points and another player one victory point. And I would say every single AI character gave me the extra victory point. So I don't know if, why it was always picking me, even though I was in the lead a few times when it was giving me the extra point, which I thought was a little strange. But I do like within the game you can set up all of these options where you can turn on an option where each player is a different kind of alien race and that gives each player a different player power that gives you kind of like a a certain maybe one race you had an extra goal that you were aiming towards and another one you got an ex you got extra money at the beginning of the game so everyone had different powers which kind of really uh let you kind of change up the gameplay and Every time you come in, it's going to be different. And same with those goals at the end, the bonus goals, you could turn those on or off. And then if you didn't want to play like the standard game, they have this whole campaign you can play through, which has its own unique set of goals that you have to meet in order to win. Not only do you have to win the match, but you also have to then meet these certain goals, like having three of each type of the locations in your space station at the end of the four rounds, which if you kind of lose focus, you may not necessarily have that because you might be going for some other goal. So it's, uh, it's kind of neat. I, I, like I, I've heard of the game, but I had never actually played it, uh, before. And so I, I don't know. It's, it was, I can see why it, it's pretty well reviewed because it was an entertaining game. And I, I do like the decisions you have to make. Yeah, it reminds me of Rimmed Capsule with that space station building and resource management, but turned into a multiplayer board game. Yeah, yeah, I could see, I could definitely see the similarities between the two. I, 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 I definitely, if you like like tile placing games and just drafting games. This is a. I think this is easily approachable for anyone. There is a tutorial that kind of guides you in and shows you, and they have the rule book there. There were kind of like weird things every once in a while. I did have the game lock up on me once, and every once in a while the, there seems to be a delay for the AI to kind of make their decision. So I think it's just kind of initial release kind of things. Though they'll work out but uh th these are the same people that released the uh ios release of brass uh which i enjoyed as well so uh they do have another game under their belts and so it's good to see them come back with among the stars and uh they did a very nice job uh and it's a universal app and it's 4.99 sounds good and i think that's everything for episode 67 yep that's all i got to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time.
talk to you later.